Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to the No Huddle Show, a special hot take reaction No Huddle Show after the Eagles beat down the Arizona Cardinals at home on Sunday to move to 4-1. and one. The Eagles are the best point differential in the NFC. The Eagles look like a legitimate contender. Elliott Shore Parks, Matt Lombardo, they were there at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday. We'll get to them in a second. Remember, guys, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, any real estate podcast, that's where you find ours after the games. Hashtag the No Huddle Show. Uh, and we'll get to all these hot takes and the emails um, as this show goes along. Elliot, we'll start with you. I know you guys had your podcast on Sunday from the link right after the game. But as you look, just kind of looking back on what that was and the performance of Wentz, uh, it, it's pretty incredible how the Eagles just, I mean, they blew the doors off the Cardinals. It wasn't even a game. Yeah, and it's like I said on the reaction pod, you guys can sit here and say it's just the Cardinals. I can't do that because I picked Eagles to, to lose. So to me, it was an extremely impressive win. And, you know, we can debate how good Arizona is. But again, every week it's something with this team where like, will they step up to this challenge? Will they step up to this challenge? And the challenge wasn't so much the Cardinals. The challenge was not having a letdown game, you know, with Thursday night coming up against a team that did present some matchup problems. And I think you saw two things. I think you saw one that this team, yeah, they're not they're not going to go 15 and one, but more times than not, they're going to step up to a challenge when it's there. And I think that's a credit to Doug Peterson. Um, but two, I think you saw that kind of. I, I think it was a rough day for the don't trade, don't 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 mortgage the future, quote unquote, for a franchise quarterback because you saw the difference between having a quarterback and not having a quarterback. Carson Wentz is one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, if not the best. I know we'll talk about that in a little bit. And that's why you make those trades because games like yesterday where he just goes off for four touchdowns and you blow a team out. I mean, the uh, you know players talked about it in the locker room after the game. Carson Wentz has completely changed this franchise. And I think that's what you saw yesterday. He has. Look, the two teams, I think they'll always be linked, Matt. After last year, after the trade, the Browns are 1-20 since passing on Carson Wentz. They probably wouldn't be much better because they're an awful team around him. But still, they're 1-20 since they passed on Carson Wentz and went to continue their plan of, of waiting to find their quarterback. The Eagles now 11-10 uh, in those 21 games and trending upward, 4-1 and one this season. Uh, I know, Matt, you wrote about it. got some reaction for the Card- from the Cardinals' perspective. It just seems like the league is opening their eyes as Carson's development is it's accelerating faster than, than I think a lot of people expected here. Yeah, no doubt. And if you guys remember coming off the game against the Giants, I really thought that was the coming of age moment for Carson Wentz because that was the first time he had a clutch moment. That was the first time he's had a game tying and game winning drive in the same contest. And yesterday you saw him catapult into being, in my opinion, an unquestioned top 10 quarterback in this league. And Joe and Elliot, we've talked about all through the offseason, all through the preseason and the training camp that, you know, we needed to see Carson Wentz take that leap. And this Eagles team's fortunes in 2017 weren't necessarily tied to wins and losses, but they were more hitched to what do you get out of Wentz? How does he develop based on what he was a year ago? And yesterday, like Elliot said, first four touchdown performance. You saw his uh, numbers on third down. I believe at one time the Eagles were seven of nine on third down conversions. He had a passer rating of over 140 on third down. I look at Carson Wentz right now, and I think that you can legitimately 
consider the Eagles to be the favorites, if not in the NFC, certainly in the NFC East. And I think we can all sit here after five weeks and we can say that everything that you wanted to see out of Carson Wentz, all of the improvements that you hoped that he would make after a really inconsistent rookie season, he's made them. And I think that that's why the Eagles are where they are. That's why they're four and one. And credit to Doug Peterson, too, for capture, you know, crafting a game plan week after week that has them leading in time of possession. And unlike a lot of young quarterbacks, Carson isn't being asked to car- carry the entire offensive workload on his back, but he's proven capable of winning football games either in blowouts or in close games. And that's what you really want to see from a kid who's on the cusp of becoming a legitimate playoff contender year after year. Yeah, the Eagles so, look like that. The, the and Eagle, Ellie, I'll let you make your point. But the Eagles with the quarterback, with the coach doing a good job, with a defense that played its its tail off on Sunday without pieces against the Cardinals. Um, however high people want to imagine this thing soaring, imagine it right now. I mean, I don't think there's any reason to, for people to hold back those the, the excitement level. I mean, this team has all the ingredients to be really good, Wentz being the most important one. Well, t- so two things. First, last offseason, the Eagles and they're hiring a head coach – they interviewed Adam Gase first, and they fired Chip Kelly – or sorry, not last offseason, but two offseasons ago. They fired Chip Kelly early so they could get an early shot at Adam Gase. Um, he came in for an interview, didn't want the job, left. They wanted Ben McAdoo. Um, didn't, he didn't want the job. He left. So they ended up with Doug. And I just think you know, on Monday morning when everyone's talking about the Eagles – you look at what's going on with the Dolphins. They just had to fire their their offensive line head coach because he's you know doing something inappropriate in the uh, in work office. And McAdoo is 0 and 5, and people are already calling for his job. So it's just interesting to see how you know the perception of Doug from two years ago to now, what he's actually accomplished has changed so much. But outside of that, I was thinking about this driving home from the game, and I think you can make the argument Carson Wentz is the most valuable asset in the entire NFL. When you take oh a new Oh boy, account, here yep, we go. Yep. All right, well, <laughs> all right, let me let me explain to you why. Because he is the best young quarterback in the NFL. He's on a rookie contract and he's only 20 21 games into his career. And I think when you look around the league, there are a ton of really good young quarterbacks. But if there's a redraft in the NFL and if I mean I can't think of almost a single trade that if the a team called the Eagles and said, I'll give you this. Aaron Rodgers, straight up. Nope. Nope. I wouldn't do it. Dude. I wouldn't do it. Dude, I, 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 I'm a believer in what Carson Wentz is doing right now. All right, let's the, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback on the planet. He has a yeah, he is. under he his is. belt. He, he's guided the Packers to the playoffs almost every single year in his career. You look at what he's doing right now, and, and they're 4-1. and one. You can make a case that their quality of wins in 4-1 and one are better than the Eagles' quality of wins. You look at the numbers he's putting up, 13 touchdowns, 3 picks. It went down to Dallas yesterday, and Green Bay's on the ropes. And with a minute 20 left, he drives him down the field to win the game. You know, Aaron Rodgers is what you hope Carson Wentz develops yep. into. But you I agree. Aaron Rodgers on this team with this defense and with this running game right now, Eagles are, are five and this year. Are they five and oh? They're going to win. I, I don't care what their record is in October. They are far and away with Aaron Rodgers, the favorite to win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, now, let me well, play devil's advocate here. I, I just want to throw this in the mix because I. I agree with Matt. I would take Rodgers, even with all the context, still over Wentz. But to go to Elliot's point here, the, the, I, when I think of trade commodities or trade assets, it's not in a, in a salary cap league, it's not just who's better. I mean, we all know Rodgers right now is better than Wentz, and none yeah. of Wentz could ever get to Rodgers' level. But Carson Wentz, 
is on a four-year, $26 million contract. And his cap number— Aaron Aaron Rodgers. Uh, no, uh, Wentz. It's four years, 26. Like his, oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My bad. Um, and his, his cap hit for this year is $6 million. The Eagles won't have to pay him uh, until 2020. Aaron Rodgers probably is going to be the highest-paid player again when he's going to get a new contract. But right now, his cap number is in the 20s. I mean, that makes it interesting, I think. That 15, 16 to 20 million, whatever the, it actually works out to, extra you'd have if you have Man, went. Joe, for, just for, making for, all for my, one, just for, making all my points for No, me. but for one year. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is still signed through 2019, and you're going to have, you're probably going to have to cash up Carson Wentz after 2018 or 2019 anyway, and you're going to have to make him the highest or second highest paid quarterback in the league. Okay, but you, all right, and hold that on, number's going to go yeah. up. You guys are looking too much into the money, which the money is a part of it, I disagree. But here's the ultimate reason why I think Wentz is the most valuable asset in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers, yes, everything you said is true, Matt, about Aaron Rodgers. He's better than Carson Wentz right now. And if he was on the Eagles right now, yes, their shot at the Super Bowl would be better this year. One, I disagree they would be Super Bowl favorites. But two, regardless of that, Aaron Rodgers is 147 games into his NFL career. He's gonna he's 34 right now. In two years, he'll be 36. I'm look, he probably is the most talented person to ever play the position. I'm agreeing with you on that. But my point is this. If I'm drafting and and I'm talking about trades and I'm talking about building a franchise, Carson Wentz, look, maybe he doesn't reach reach Aaron Rodgers' potentials. I agree. But you haven't seen anything from Wentz to make you think that he's not on his way to being an elite quarterback for a very, very long time. And there's and, nothing that you've seen out of Aaron Rodgers over the last three years or the last five games that tells you that he's diminishing. That tells agreed. you that his skill set is declining. But how many years do you think he has left? How many years I'll, do you think he has I'll tell you this. I'll take three years, four years even, of prime Aaron Rodgers playing at the level of being one of the top two quarterbacks, if not the far and away top quarterback in the league, than I will of seven years of an ascending Carson Wentz and potentially reaching that mark. I, well, I, to, I, be fair, well, to be fair on the Rodgers and how you, Brady you just looks. Said, hold on. You just said yourself that Carson Wentz is already a top 10 quarterback. Top 10 quarterback is a lot different than being the number one quarterback in the but league. But my point by, is this, Carson Wentz wide is already. Of anybody not named Tom Brady. Carson Wentz is already really good. And like, I, I just think you're, I think, you, and Joe, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I think if you don't, then I think you're both being short-sighted on this. You're talking about trade commodities, which does bring into account salary cap space, which does bring into account age and all that stuff. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is really good. Carson Wentz has, this past offseason, when I said I would take Wentz over Luck and Jameis Winston, everyone thought I was being crazy then. How many people, would you guys take Wentz over both them now? I would definitely take him over Jameis now. I've switched on that. Luck, I still really like, but I have to be his fair. Health. I mean, he's, he's always I mean, hurt. Right. If yeah, he's healthy, I'd, I'd rather probably have, take Wentz over both of those two. Right. Okay, well, that's probably, my point. This past offseason, everyone said I was being crazy then. And I'm telling you, man, like, Wentz is going to be really good. And I agree Aaron Rodgers is very good now. But when you take into account age, you take into account salary cap space, you take into account the quality of player, I don't think there's a single player in the NFL I would take right now over Carson Wentz to start my team. Here's why this conversation we're having for our listeners should be exciting, I, I think. Aaron Rodgers is the only one that, maybe Matt, you have three or four other names, but I don't think there's a list of 20 names that Matt and I could reel off to debate you on this, Elliot. I mean, this is showing how quickly Wentz is rising here. If Rodgers is the counter, all right, Rodgers is the counter, but I can't think of 10 other names, and that means the Eagles have something special here because they have a quarterback that teams would go crazy for. Matt, do you, do you agree with that premise that 
wherever you'd rank and however many players you would take in a trade for Wentz right now, the list can't be that big. Yeah, I'd, I'd say there's maybe four players league-wide. And, and again, Who Rodgers they be? is on top of that list. Khalil Mack is on the top of is, oh, is come on. on that you list. You can't take a defensive player over a quarterback. To start when a team when you're as when you're the number one defensive lineman in football, I think that you have the conversation. I'd put Matt Ryan mm-hmm. neck and neck with Carson Wentz at this point. Listen, I love Carson Wentz, and I think that he's Matt a Ryan's guy a, that has a Matt lot Ryan's of potential. No, but, sorry, I was just saying Matt Ryan's a good name. Matt Ryan's a good one. Right, I, I would probably take Rodgers, Khalil Mack, and and Matt Ryan as the three that you would not that I'd I'd consider dealing Carson Wentz for. And beyond that, you would have to really overwhelm me with future draft picks and all of those things. But uh, again, I I just think it's silly to put Carson Wentz as a trade asset as being more valuable or better than Aaron Rodgers based on what Aaron Rodgers is still doing with a far inferior supporting cast when it comes to running backs and when it comes to wide receivers and what he's already shown you he has the capability of doing year over year. And I'd I'd also say, look, I'm I'm not trying to diminish. It's not like Wentz is signed through 2025. Guys, you're going to have to pay these guys the what you're already paying Rodgers for one more year. What what is one year of cap space to you in the in the big picture? If I'm telling you that I can save cap space on one year and have Carson Wentz or pay these guys about an equal contract in two years and have Aaron Rodgers, give me the three to four years of Aaron well, Rodgers. Isn't it isn't it two years? I mean, he signed. They're not. They're, the, the, they're, the, not, the they're not going to. They're not going to send Carson Wentz out as a lame duck in 2020. They're going to same, with, same with Rodgers, so, right? They're they're all going to get their money, right? No, no, I'm saying, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. But, look, so so you're saying you would trade Carson Wentz for Khalil Mack? Yes. Okay, I don't, I I think that's crazy. But, too, um, I bet, but I'm Rodgers, saying defensive, defensive ends are the second most valuable position on any football team. And you can say and what's the quarterbacks top, are the highest, and Khalil Mack might be the best defensive player in football. What's the Eagles record this year if they have Khalil Mack and then they have, I don't know, Sam Bradford or like some average quarterback at playing. Not the same as it is right now. Where they are probably about four and one or three and two. I don't know. I I disagree, but I mean, I just, I just think when you take into account outside of the Giants game, which, which game did Carson Wentz single-handedly win you outside of the Giants game? You're saying I thought he played very well against the chargers. I thought he played very well in week one against the Redskins. I mean, and Arizona was the best game of his career. He's made a ton of plays. They didn't need him to throw four. T- it was great that he did, and it's huge in terms of his development and in terms of the trajectory of this franchise. But I can't look at yesterday and say that they won that game because Carson Wentz was the quarterback. The defense was swarming yesterday. The defense held Larry Fitzgerald to 51 yards yesterday. They made the, the Arizona Cardinals look like they don't belong on an NFL football field. You look at the Redskin game. I thought Carson Wentz played well, but Fletcher Cox gets the strip fumble that I believe it was what he recovers it, t- takes it to the house after Brandon Graham strips him. That's a defensive touchdown that puts that game on ice. And, and he played well against Sandy against Los Angeles, but I, I don't think that he was the reason why they won that game. No, I mean, I think it's fair. I think the, the what we could debate all day, three or four players or six or seven or 12, the fact of the matter is the Eagles have a second-year quarterback. Like, I think where you're going with this, Elliot, just shows where the Eagles are at. Like, that's the part I think our listeners probably got, are going to walk away from this episode excited about. There aren't many players that you'd want over Carson Wentz moving forward. I mean, that's right. in itself, year two, 21 games in, with a good running game now, with an offensive line playing well, with the defense, with a good coach, the Eagles are set up. And I, you know, a year ago 
or you were saying, Elliot, when they were going through those the head coaching hires, Carson was just a name at North Dakota State. Uh, I think Elliot, you went to the Senior Bowl and watched him. Like, think about how little time yeah, I, that was I said ago, I and now Cardell the whole thing's set up. <laughs> I said I wanted Cardell Jones over him. <laughs> right. So I mean, look, we've all had our bad takes. I mean, the other thing is, I'll say this too. I mean, if you want to move on from from the Carson debate, but I was thinking about this too. So during training camp. And I've always been critical of Howie, and I still think I'm far from ready to say that Howie is a is a good general manager. But a lot of these moves that you know I thought weren't going to work out for Howie, and I think Joe Douglas deserves some credit too with this, are looking good for now. I mean, Legarrette Blunt has been very good. Patrick Robinson has been maybe the team's best cornerback, and even if he hasn't been the best cornerback, his ability to step in and play nickel has really, I think, helped glue that secondary together. Because it takes less pressure off the outside. It allows Malcolm Jenkins to play more time at safety. Um, so those two moves, which I was skeptical of, and I think we all were, have really worked out. And Howie's never been good at finding bargain bin free agents where you know he tries to bring these guys in to fill holes and they get the job done. And it's just five games in. But as of now, they've both, they've both been way better than expected. And even Rasul Douglas. Um, ha- has played better. Derek Barnett's been been a little MIA, but uh, I just think a lot of these moves that Howie's made have, have, have are looking good five games into the season. They look great. Uh, I mean, Patrick Robinson's been really good. I, I feel like he's going to keep playing no matter how the the secondary shakes out this year. I feel like he might be the guy that just sticks, even if the two young guys um, off of the injuries come back. And Blunt's been good. I mean, Matt, it's, it's funny with Blunt because I didn't expect much and he didn't look yeah. good in training camp. And yet, Three weeks in a row, as things keep changing around him with the blockers up front, with the other backs that are in the backfield with them because of injury, Blunt's been really consistent lately. Just it gets like five yards every every time he touches the ball. Yeah, Joe, I remember last week on the podcast you made the case, and it's it's become more compelling after what happened on Sunday that Doug Peterson deserves Coach of the Year consideration. If this keeps up and the Eagles continue to get the kind of production they're getting out of LeGarrette Blunt on the contract that they signed him to, if Ronald Darby comes back and plays at a high level like he did in his first preseason game before getting hurt in week one against the Redskins, if Patrick Robinson continues to be worthy of starter level snaps based on the contract that he was given, and if Sidney Jones, it's, it sure seems like Sidney Jones is getting a lot closer to coming back. We saw him running back and forth in the end zone. I talked to Buda Baker yesterday. Yesterday and his teammate at Washington, and he basically said that he gave Sydney some advice not to rush back. But Sydney seems like he's on track to make a return at some point this year. Guys, if that happens, and if these guys continue to produce at the level they're producing at, Howie Roseman deserves to be in the conversation for executive of the year. And whatever happened in the past, I think that is you kind of put that on a shelf and you evaluate Howie Roseman this year in the first draft class with Joe Douglas. You look at what they're getting out of Barnett now creeping up to, I believe it's 48% of the snaps in his fifth game. As a Hasn't done much with them, though. Well, he's, he's gotten into the backfield and he's created some pressures. Chris Long playing 35, 40% of the snaps on basically a veteran minimum contract. They're getting value and they're getting tremendous production from guys that weren't here a year ago. And you can make a case that the lack of depth at defensive line hurt them last year. And you're seeing the quality of depth stepping up, especially the trade with Tim Jernigan now that Fletcher Cox has been out. All I'm saying is that as much as people want to trip over themselves and give Doug Peterson a lot of credit, which I think he deserves, it might be time to 
give a you know uh, a tip of the cap to Howie Roseman as well for what he put together this offseason. Let me let me ask you guys this real quick. It's a bit of a tangent, but you just mentioned Fletcher Cox, um, and I think the defensive line has played very well. I think Bo Allen has been really good. Timmy Jernigan's been really good. Fletcher Cox is due eighteen million dollars in two thousand eighteen as a cap hit, and now you look at that deal. They gave it to him two years early. You look at everyone the Eagles are going to have to pay. Would you – I mean, does, the, does that deal look different to you now when you see that, you you know, keeping Cox might cost you Jernigan and Bo Allen? And it's no. going imp- you, to – you don't think it looks bad? No, because uh, I'll tell you that before yesterday's game, they had given up 48 points since the moment that Fletcher Cox got hurt. And I know that there are a lot of things that go into giving up points and, you know, struggles in the fourth quarter and all that. But 48 points is 48 points. That's a lot of production to give up since the absence of one player mm-hmm. at, during that giant game. So I think that Fletcher Cox has a tremendous impact on this defense and they're playing really well. They were playing even better when he was playing alongside Tim Jernigan. Yeah, I know. I agree. But next year you might not have Tim Jernigan because of that. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, I mean, eight, look, this isn't a knock on Fletcher Cox. It's more of a knock on $18 million for a defensive tackle is just a lot of money. And I think when they signed Fletcher Cox, everyone was excited about it. And his cap hit has been relatively low you know, this season and last year. But I think next year is where you're really going to start to see the impact of paying a very, very good player $18 million. And, I, you know, especially with how much cap space this team needs going into next offseason i just think it's interesting to look at you know if you could if you could distribute this money again would you still commit 18 million dollars to fletcher cox it's funny to going back to the conversation we started this podcast with they might be able to get away with it because they have carson wentz on a rookie contract if they had if they were paying a quarterback like a star like rogers or anybody else then i mean they probably have to get rid of fletcher cox or they maybe they wouldn't have signed him in the first place it's it is that advantage they have right now of having um, Carson Wentz under the contract they do and the production they're getting. All right, guys, let's get some reaction here. We asked for it on Twitter, hashtag the No Huddle Show. Uh, we have some emails that came in right after the game, so we'll get to all this, and then we'll look forward at the end of this episode to a, what is going to be a quick week. You guys are going to be down in Carolina Thursday night uh, in what should be uh, probably one of the most marquee Thursday night matchups we'll get this season, or at least at this juncture, 4-1, and 4-1 and uh, Eagles versus Panthers. All right. Couple emails, then we'll get to the Twitter reaction. Uh, Cameron emailed us and said Carson Wentz's growth from year one to year two has been phenomenal. Kudos to him and Doug for taking the next step. And that will throw Malcolm's email in here as well. So proud of this team. They play with a chip on their shoulders. Let the rest of the world keep sleeping. Hashtag Fly Eagles Fly. Ellie, do you think the NFL is still gonna is still sleeping on the Eagles? I mean, they're four and one. They have the best point differential in the NFC. They, I. I don't know how many teams would come into Lincoln Financial Field and be favored. They're really good at home right now. I have been since Doug and Carson mm-hmm. took over. Do you think the league's still sleeping on them, or do you think this word's about to get out that the Eagles are look like they're for real? No, I think, if anything, prior to that Cardinals game, I thought the league was overestimating the Eagles a little bit. I mean, I think people had them in their top five in the power rankings, and after being the Cardinals, maybe you can make that argument. But I think the Eagles are – viewed nationally right around where they should be, which is an up and coming team. That's incredibly impressive. Um, they haven't proven a whole lot yet in terms of beating quality opponents that I mean, they've only can play who they've played. Um, Thursday night's huge. And the fact that they're, they're only underdogs by three points. I mean, that, that means that, you know, Vegas nods maker basically sees them as even since the, the uh, Panthers are at home and the Panthers are one of the best teams in the league and they're going to be at home and it is prime time. So the fact that the Eagles are going into this game only underdogs by three, 
I think shows that people, you know, do view the Eagles as a very good team. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think the Eagles are being underrated nationally. All right, let's get to some of the uh, Twitter reaction. Hashtag the No Huddle Show. Matt, I'll throw this one at you because I, I know you had the tweet after the game yesterday. Um, tweet came in here. Love the show, guys. This week, can we talk about how great the Eagles' ability to control the clock on offense has been? I mean, it's been... It's been a clinic. I mean, I give Doug credit because he's dialing up the run and it's working in the second half. I mean, the whole offense deserves credit. But when they have a lead in these fourth quarters, especially the last two weeks, Matt, they just sit on the football. Yeah. When was the last time we saw an Eagles team, guys, with the ability to salt out a game in the fourth quarter the way they've done the last two weeks? You look back at that Los Angeles game. They held the ball in a one score game for over six minutes. I think it was six minutes and 40 seconds. Yesterday, a little bit of different circumstance. I think the Eagles were already up 34 to seven. The game had pretty much been decided, but they held the ball for nine minutes and 24 seconds of the fourth quarter. That, that's incredible. The, the, the ability to impose your will up front as an offensive line to run the ball as effectively as they did for Carson Wentz to protect the football, make plays with his legs, scrambling for first downs to extend the drive. That, those are things that that, you know, most teams don't have the ability to do. The Eagles have done it in consecutive weeks. And I don't think it's a surprise that the Eagles are leading the NFL in time of possession and they possess the ball for 34 minutes and 25 seconds yesterday, only about 30 seconds, I believe, above their season average going into the game. So that that's, you know, you can't score if you don't have the ball. And the Eagles are doing a really nice job of keeping their defense fresh and keeping the ball out of the opponent's hands. Uh, at Michael Ice, uh, Michael underscore Ice, Eagles are by far the best team in the NFC. Elliot, I know you guys talked a little bit about where they, they kind of the stack. NFC in the NFC. I know you guys yesterday talked a little bit about how, where they stack up on the Sunday postgame podcast. But look at it right now. They're the best point differential in the NFC. The Packers and Falcons and Seahawks, I think, get that nod of they're going to be there in the end. They're always seemingly there in the end. But the Eagles right now. I think are right there with those teams. Even if they're one notch below Atlanta and, and um, Green Bay, they're in that mix with the way they've played the first five weeks, I think. So I'm, I made a list, and I had Packers, Falcons, Panthers, and Seahawks all above the Eagles. Um, I mean, the Panthers going into Detroit and beating the Lions, I think, is, is an impressive win. Mm-hmm. Probably more impressive than any win the Eagles have, or probably definitely, actually. Um, and I don't think they're in that same tier just because – I look at it as this. If the Eagles were traveling to any of those places or any of those teams were coming to Lincoln Financial Field in the playoffs, I would pick the Seahawks, Panthers, Falcons, and Packers to beat the Eagles just because of the playoff experience. Um, All those teams have good quarterbacks. Uh, Packers quarterbacks won a Super Bowl, hasn't he? Yeah, he's won one Super Bowl in like (laughs) nine, ten years. But whatever. I'm not anti-Aaron Rodgers. I'm just saying – I would take Carson Wentz for the future, but we'll see. And in 10 years when we're on our thousands podcast, you know, 2000th episode, we'll, we'll see who was right. But yeah, I mean, look, I just look at it as I have those four teams. I would pick to beat the Eagles in the playoffs. So I, I would say those teams are a tier above, but I do think the Eagles are, are right there at the top of that second tier. All eyes on at all eyes on CBs. Aguilar is the best receiver on the team. Matt, I, when I watched that play yesterday, uh, the one thought I had was amazing how far that kid has come in a year. I mean, a year ago, he was awful, and they had to take him off the field. They had a bench room for the game against the Packers, the Monday night game, and now here he is, two 50-plus-yard touchdown 
uh, receptions this season were five games in. It's just incredible transformation. It's a shame they could never find a slot receiver, huh? I mean, you look at Nelson Aguilar, what he's doing with his speed, the rapport he has with Carson Wentz. You know, he's turned into a pretty nice slot receiver, and he's somebody that has an extra— say slot receiver in such a diminishing tone, but go go ahead, go ahead. Well, it's what he is, and I I think that his skill set with his speed and and his ability to navigate the slot makes him a better option on the inside than the outside. Don't you agree? He wasn't exactly able to stretch the field and win one-on-one matchups on the outside last year when he was getting out. Right, I agree with that, yeah. So it's it's not a slight. I don't use it as a slight. They're just different positions. And I think we've talked about this offense funneling through Zach Ertz and funneling through the slot position, And, and yesterday, you look at what what uh, Aguilar was able to do, not only the 72-yard touchdown, which is a career high, but Carson Wentz's passer rating yesterday, 158.3. These are courtesy of Pro Football Focus. Four catches, 93 yards, one touchdown, yards per route run, close to four at 3.88. I mean, that that's a really solid day at the office. And he's a guy that if you want to talk about contracts, you might feel a little better about maybe not bringing back either Torrey Smith or Alshon Jeffrey because of what you're getting from Nelson Aguilar in the slot. You have Matt Collins waiting in the wings and because of what you've seen from your secondary, because of what you've seen along your offensive line and along, uh, you know, your, your defensive line, you might be able to go out and draft a wide receiver sometime pretty high in next year's draft. If you want to get cheaper at that position, because you're confident in what Aguilar is giving you in the slot right now. So I'm I'm not ready to get into a debate with Eagles Twitter or anybody debating Alshon versus Aguilar and, and who's better and all that. But I will say this. The Eagles don't have a, an, an outside receiver that has shown that they can produce on a consistent level. So, you know, we can say, yeah, Aguilar can't do it on the outside. Well, I haven't seen Alshon or Torrey Smith really do it on the outside this year consistently either. I know Torrey Smith had that long touchdown catch yesterday, um, but I don't think either of them have played particularly well on the outside. I mean, Alshon, once again, I think he had three catches for 39 yards. And yeah, he's going against Patrick Peterson. But if you're number one corner, number one receiver, you're supposed to be able to still, you know, produce against those guys. Right, so, but look what Aguilar and Ertz were able to do in Trey Burton because of him being at that point. Defensive coordinators don't isolate one-on-one with with – Jordan Matthews, so to speak, last year. They don't isolate one-on-one and and have their best cornerback travel with Nelson Aguilar. But the fact that you could take that matchup away— Well, teams don't have—teams don't have— Teams don't have yesterday. Patrick Peterson traveled with Alshon, but Patrick Peterson traveled with the receiver every week of the season. Yep. The Eagles' first four games, not a single cornerback traveled with Alshon throughout the game. So teams haven't really. And look, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say Alshon is not having an impact. My my only thing is again, like, so the Eagles going to pay this guy ten million dollars a year to be a decoy? Like, I mean, I so that's my thing. But but to get back to Aguilar, my my point I would make when comparing the two is. Aguilar's issue has never really been talent. I mean, he's extremely quick. He's a great route runner. And yeah, he he has struggled with drops. But now that you're seeing him play with confidence, I mean, he is an extremely talented player. So for for all this talk about, you know, Alshon's catch radius and all that, I mean, I wrote back in training camp in the offseason, Aguilar was the Eagles' best receiver during the offseason as well. And yep. you you can debate, you know, how much it matters because it's a slot and he has the best decoy of all time on the outside with Alshon, but he's still putting up good numbers. As well, a slot I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying slot doesn't matter. I mean, I've said on this podcast every week that this offense funnels through the tight end and the slot receiver position. Therefore, 
wouldn't that mean the slot position might be the third most important position on the roster for the offense? Well, all right, that's fine. But I, I heard everybody in the world say Jordan Matthews is doesn't really matter and was basically throwing because he plays the slot. I just think, and I'm not saying you're doing this. I was joking when you said the diminishing thing, but I think a lot of people do diminish and take away from the production Jordan Matthews had and the production Nelson Aguilar is having simply because he's doing it out of the slot when the reality is the Eagles don't have a receiver that can play the outside and dominate. So yeah, right. And Carson doesn't throw to the outside nearly as often as he does to the hash marks with Ertz right. and with, with Aguilar. And I just think that Aguilar's skill set, we're, we're kind of arguing the same point here. I think that Aguilar's skill set makes him tailor-made to thrive in the slot in this system, particularly when he's playing with the confidence that he's playing with. And the Eagles haven't had that kind of speed option in the middle. They haven't had, you know, the, the kind of guy who can, I won't say blow the cover off a of defense, but when he gets one-on-one with a cornerback deep, he has the elusiveness and the agility to win that matchup like we saw yesterday. Well, I just think with Alshon, and then we can get on to the next one, but it just seems like the, the goal and, you know, the goalpost keeps moving. First, it was he was signed. He's going to be a dominant number one outside receiver. Then it was, you know, well, you know, they, they funneled through the, through, through the middle of the field. Then it's, well, he's being traveled. It just seems like at the end of the day, you know, this is another game where Alshon didn't produce. And now we're five games in. We've had all of training camp. We've had all of the offseason. And I still haven't seen anywhere close to a number one receiver type of play from Alshon. I'm with you, Elliot. Uh, the Alshon thing is a worry. It doesn't mean he's not having any impact. I know Doug spoke to you guys about it. And we'll move on to the Panthers. Well, game. sorry, can I just say one more thing? One more thing. Sure. You said it was a worry. I wouldn't say it's a worry because the one thing I will say about Alshon is, and, you know, not to get too much in the intangibles but he's been like a good teammate like when DeMarco Murray was here and DeMarco Murray wasn't producing he was not a good influence in that locker room he you know didn't have a lot of friends he helped the team start to turn on chip all those things I think Alshon like we can debate how much he's worth but I would be fine with Alshon being on this team for the next four years, as long as you're not paying him huge number one receiver money. Alshon, yeah, I acknowledge he does help the offense in certain ways. I think he's been a good teammate, all those things, blah, blah, blah. But I just think when you talk about money, that's when you have to, that's where you have to hold Alshon to a different scale. Yeah. And I think the worry I meant is as the year goes on, like what happens Sunday, like Alshon right now is on pace for 64 catchers, 12.3 yards a catch. His career coming into this year was over about 15 yards a catch. He's just not the same player for whatever reason, whether it's he's just If Mark Eckline was here, he would say, well, notice he did get suspended for PEDs last year. Well, yeah, here's, you know what? But here, here's the other thing, guys. That, that production, the Eagles aren't the only team that's seeing that production. So his that's market saying, might wind up coming oh, yeah, down. Right. It, yeah. it, it might right. become more affordable for the Eagles to keep Alshon Jeffrey without having to pay him $14 million a year. But what I'm saying is the, as this year goes on, like Sunday, Patrick Peterson was on um, Alshon Jeffrey. Unless he starts to show he can make some plays, if I'm running a defense, I'm not putting Patrick Peterson late, late in the season or the equivalent of him on Alshon Jeffrey. I'm going to go put him on Nelson Aguilar. Like, Doug is going to have to scheme around this unless this guy can make some plays because I think reputation only takes you so far. Unless Alshon shows he can make some plays, he's not going to keep getting the attention. I think it's going to change the, things for the, the Eagles. Con- the concerning thing about Alshon is I just I, – I, you know, I've obviously seen every catch he's made this year. I don't know the percentage off the top of my head, but it feels like a lot of his catches have just been – quick slants to the middle where the defense is playing off of him and he catches it almost uncontested. And to me, that isn't, you know, if I, you, if I'm an opposing team and, and Matt, you're right. If I'm an opposing team and I'm looking at what I want to pay Alshon, what have I seen on tape this year where I go, okay, well, this is a guy that can come in and really help our offense. 
Yeah, I, well, here, here's the other thing that we are five games in, and on one hand, it's it's an alarming thing to see the production that Alshon's putting up. But on the other hand, all boats rise with the quarterback, right? As the quarterback mm-hmm. improves, particularly a young quarterback, in the areas where Carson's improving, the deep ball being chief among those. I, I don't think we've ever seen Carson be more effective and more consistent with the deep ball than we've seen over the last two weeks against the Chargers and against the Cardinals. If three weeks down the line, he's still not hitting Alshon, if three weeks down the line, Alshon's beating a top cornerback by two or three steps, then I think Carson Wentz is going to hit him. I think the opportunities are going to be there more often than not as Carson continues to get more accurate with the deep ball and more confident in himself to unfurl that deep pass. So while I'm not going to sit here and say that if the season ended right now, I would pay Alshon $12, $13 million a year and get into a bidding war, I'm also at the same time not writing him off because I think that Wentz is getting much more consistent and much stronger in the aspect of his game that can maximize Alshon Jeffrey. And there are still 11 games left to play. This has, this has remember Sam Bradford's last final seven games? <laughs> <laughs> this, this has that written all over Yeah, but, it. but, but, but this it's is different, be though, because— we're be talking about Alshon's last Well, it'll matter more, though, because this team looks like it's going to be good. So if he puts up yeah, a good final and it's, seven— And it's, and it's going to be a lot different because you're not talking about the rapport of a, a quarterback having played in two seasons and improving with a wide receiver who's a veteran and who has a track record. It, it's, not, it's not an outlier. It will have been— Carson Wentz developing and improving in his skill set that he might not have been able to maximize the opportunities with Jeffrey in the first four weeks. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not I'm not as anti Alshon. I'm not as different on my opinion on Alshon from you as as people might think. My thing is just it literally comes down to money for me. So that that that's really where I differ on the Alshon thing. But I think he's been a helpful to a certain degree member of the team. It just it depends what what you're grading him against. All right, let's, let's move on to the forward, next guys. One, we could debate Alshon for hours. We could, and I'm sure we will on other episodes. It seems to come up every episode. All right, we've got a few minutes left. Let's just quickly look forward your thoughts. It's a short week. So the Eagles played on Sunday against the Cardinals. Thursday night, back at it on the road, which always makes it a challenge uh, for a short week. Thursday night game against the Panthers. Elliot, you mentioned the, the line earlier. It's a seemingly a toss-up type of game. Uh, mm-hmm. Four and one versus four and one. Um, this game worries me. I, I'm I think I'm going to pick the Eagles to lose this game, just the way it all sets up right now. I think it's a tough spot, and I think Doug, maybe it's the Andy in him, uh, or at least the way I look at him, that the more time he has to prepare, the better off the Eagles will be. I think I just think it's a tough challenge this week against a good Panther team. Yeah, after my debacle of a Cardinals pick last week, I'm hesitant to make my pick on the podcast <laughs> just yet. But, um, I mean, look, to me, it's a very tough spot. I think the Eagles can go in there and compete lose and you can still walk away feeling encouraged if you're an Eagles fan about what you saw. Um, I remember being at the Cardinals stadium, not, not, not the Cardinals, sorry. Uh, I remember the Panther stadium a few years ago when Chip was still the head coach. And I remember thinking that atmosphere and that defense and that car and God, that, that Panthers team is a Super Bowl type team. I mean, this is a tough stage. The Eagles are walking into um, the loss of Lane Johnson. If he doesn't play really hurts. I know Vitae played okay last um, you know, against the Cardinals and spot up duty. But I think that's that really hurts. Um, part of me is just kind of done picking against Carson Wentz. But I think as of right now, if I had to pick, I would probably pick the Panthers. What do you feel, Matt? 
I think it's a really tough spot. I think that Carolina is one of those teams that the Eagles are going to have to worry about playoff positioning later on. We might even see this game in an NFC wildcard weekend or the divisional round later on in January. Cam Newton's playing like a, a top 10 tight uh, quarterback at the moment, three touchdowns the other day. Uh, he, he's a mobile quarterback. He has Christian McCaffrey, who scored his first career touchdown yesterday and, and certainly is playing at a really high level for a rookie running back match up nightmares all over the place. Fletcher Cox might practice tomorrow. If he does, he might play Thursday. I think the Eagles hold him out one more week. Lane Johnson not playing is going to be a big problem for this team. I, I think the Eagles can go in and whether you win or lose this game, it's almost house money at this point. You're four and one. You have an opportunity to come back with not only the extra time off Thursday night, but you don't play the Redskins until the following Monday night. So it's almost like having a bye week. The Eagles are probably going to have four or five days off after that Thursday game. So even if you lose this game, I'm not going to draw too many sweeping conclusions, but I, th I think it's a really tough spot for this team. And, and if they, if they lose the game, no big deal, but if they win, then we can start really talking about home field advantage in the NFC. You can. They, they can start rolling. I, I, I agree with you, Matt. If they win, I believe it's three straight home games and a bye leading into Dallas. It, you know, you have the Redskins on Monday night. You have the Niners. You have the Broncos. Uh, if, if the Eagles get the five and one with that set up over the next month, uh, big things could be on the horizon. Should be a fun game. Elliot, as always, thanks for doing this. Yep. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Matt. All right. Talk to you next time. Thanks to all of you for listening to this special reaction hot take episode of the No Huddle Show. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and leave us a rating. Elliot threw out there last week. We want to keep the numbers up, up, up. Let's have them grow. Leave us a rating on iTunes. We'll be back with you soon right here on NJ.com.